I'm Julia Bramble. And I'm Ian Anson Gray. Welcome to the Free Range Social Show. <laughs> As always, this podcast episode is a recording of a live show where the audience was able to interact with us. And if you'd like to be part of one of these live shows, then head on down to freerangesocialshow.com so you can find out when our next live show is. Join us and you can ask your own questions and get involved with the discussion. So, without further ado, here is this week's show. Welcome to the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Bramble. It's social media uncaged. Your social media marketing moving. Hello, welcome to the Free Range Social Show with Ian Alasagway and Julia Bramble. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, it's good to see you again, Julia. Thank you. And you? And yes, indeed. And today we're going to be talking about something very fun and exciting, aren't we? Well, yes, it's fun and exciting for you, Ian. And me, it's maybe more of a necessity than something that I would put on the fun list. However, we, what we're going to talk about is our websites and what's new in the world of websites, the changes that we need to know about as opposed to all the little details and changes that I'm sure have gone on since we last talked about this. Exactly, yeah. It's, but it, it splits people, doesn't it? I mean, people get either very, very excited about websites or not at all. But it is a necessity. <laughs> and... Uh, I, I'm glad to say, I mean, I remember being on a committee for a charity quite a few years ago. And one of this is, but this was probably 10 years ago. And one of the questions was asked, do we really need a website? But I think we've gone beyond that. This is not a yeah. show about, we're not going to be discussing, do you need a website? Although you could still have that conversation, you know, is a Facebook page enough? But, um, oh, but let's not. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> Um, so we're broadcasting this to Facebook Live and we're also this is also a podcast so if you're watching us live you're watching the replay or you're listening to us it's great to have you here but if you want to get involved with the show if you want to get involved with adding your thoughts and comments then just head on down to facebook.com forward slash free range social and we've got some lovely people in the room already, we've we've got Mark Orr, we've got Lisa Monks. Thank you so much. If I know there's other people there, but you're being shy. So Ooh. let us know where in the world Give you're from. Give us a from. wave. Give us a little wave. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now Mark is Mark has actually um, said something really interesting here, which wasn't on yeah. my list, which is voice search is an area that I'm not sure about yet for websites. And I have to admit, it's not really something I've thought about at all. Um, well, maybe I did once for about <laughs> five seconds. But um, voice search. And uh, this is an interesting thing, particularly because we've got all these assistants, haven't we? I don't know whether you've embraced any of the assistants. We've got Siri, we've got Cortana, we've got Alexa, we've got the Google assistants. Have I missed any out? Probably. Do we? Do we need to kind of think about... Uh, using our voice to navigate uh, a website, and, and so I'll, I'll be honest with with you, I've I've not looked into that, and I'd be interested in what you think, Mark. Uh, it's not something; it's not an area I'm going to be investing in. However, I think with with websites, we should be looking to the future and and thinking, well, what are what what is the new technology, and what should I be looking at investing in? Maybe not now, maybe in six months, a year's time, and it's kind of like 
other technology that we've been talking about on the show, Julia, isn't it? Like uh, like messenger bots and AI yeah. and AR and all these kind of things. I mean, you could argue that actually uh, chatbots and messenger bots are, are definitely something you should consider at the moment, yeah. but they've been going on for quite a few years. Uh, so, yeah. I, what do you think about that, Julia, about voice search for websites? Uh, I do think it's something we need to keep an eye mm. or an ear on for sure because yeah even our fairly slow to adopt family we now live in an alexa dominated world you know and i I speak to her when i'm cooking in the kitchen and get all my favorite tunes played for me so it's only one step from there isn't it Mm. to to being able to to say to alexa hey can you find me this that or the other and off she goes directed by a voice search so i think it's definitely something we need to be looking into yeah and it's interesting i do know a few people uh, in our industry who've been investing in Alexa briefings so these yeah. this is the whole idea of I mean we're going away from podcast sorry away from uh, websites now but you can create like a mini daily podcast for that will come out on on Alexa uh, I suppose it depends on your industry whether that's something that's going to be uh, worth focusing on but it does remind me of another issue that we've got you know we've got this issue with social media platforms anyway you know messaging platforms such as instagram and facebook but we've got this fragmentation of of different voice search um platforms haven't we you know do you go on alexa when i don't have an alexa i've we i've i sometimes use google assistant if if you'll push me to it but uh you know, where, where do we go? And it's, it's, it's that, back to that question, I suppose, where, where is, is your audience? So, um, yeah, they, and what are they using? What are they using? And, and the other thing with voice search, of course, that's been written about in numerous articles now is that you, to, to get yourself found, you may need to make sure that your content is optimized slightly differently because when we speak, of course, we ask for things in a different way than if we mm-hmm. actually tap into our keyboards or our phones or whatever so yeah it's going to be interesting to to watch trends maybe shift yeah definitely so mark says just a a comment from mark he says i've seen a few marketers pushing tools to add it to websites especially with alexa uh becoming more popular so yeah it's an interesting one it's not something i'm focusing on i don't think but it's an interesting one to think about for the future as these platforms become more popular so yeah i'll be interested to know what you think about that that mark um so yeah there's, there's a few other things that uh, have uh, that would be probably worth talking about um and that's particularly to do with wordpress so wordpress is definitely the most popular platform for websites and i think that the last last time i checked it was certainly over a fifth of the world's websites it's probably more like a quarter of the world's websites wow. are powered by uh, wordpress and uh I'm quite, uh, I'm very passionate about WordPress. I'm also very lucky because the co-founder of WordPress, Mike Little, is lives just down the road from me. And uh, not that I'm <laughs> able to go to the meetup, but they have a, a meetup in Manchester every uh, every month, which is great to talk about these things. And there's been a bit of controversy. I'm going to have to press this button now. <laughs> and it's all to do with this new thing called Gutenberg. Gutenberg. So have you heard of Gutenberg, Julia? No, but I've heard about the controversy. Okay. So <laughs> this is this is it's it's not so much about Gutenberg, but it's also it's it's the new version of WordPress. And yeah. 
This is version five. That and, and and really the only controversy about it is that it was pushed very very quickly and quite aggressively. Um, so this is this was a new version that was pushed out last year um, that integrates this new editor. And so I think all of us who have got WordPress websites were so used to editing our websites in the in the way we've been used to, and then now we've got this other editor to. Uh, to use and it's a little bit confusing for a lot of people M most the most dangerous thing really about it though is the fact that uh, the editor wasn't necessarily compatible with all your plugins and so that caused a lot of problems oh. so yeah I don't know whether anyone's had any problems with this but we've I mean we uh, my company manages uh, a lot of uh, clients websites and we've actually held off upgrading to version 5 because of those problems but the reason i wanted to to bring this up was just really because websites are becoming a lot more fluid and a lot more uh they need to be more visually appe appealing we've got landing pages that are very visual but the problem is that for those of us who uh, for those of us who are you know run small businesses it's very difficult for us to keep those up to date and so what wordpress have tried to do is to launch this thing called gutenberg which is effectively a visual editor so it's like drag and drop you can you can put you can create columns on the page you can put an editor up there you can put a picture there um and so it's great in theory but it's caused some problems so um, the, the, one of the tools that I've, ref, I've been recommending in the past is called Beaver Builder, but there's loads of other ones. There's, um, what's the other one? Elementor is the other one. Uh, and they basically just allow you to create really visually appealing pages that at the end of the day are targeted to the visitor. They convert well. And it's not about the technology. It's about about the uh, the usability at the end of the day yeah. and the user experience. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Julia, about the the fact that sometimes technology can get in, in the way of these things? Oh, don't. This might be a little bit aside, but <laughs> I was, it's it sort of is and it sort of isn't because it's all website-based, but I was looking at uh, an online product this morning that I thought, oh, I'll, that sounds really good. I'll snap that up. And before I could purchase it, I had to log in and because I already had an account on whatever system this was. So I thought, yeah. okay. So I plugged in the password that I thought went with this account. And okay. needless to say, it didn't. So then it wants me to click a button to go and reset my password before I can even flipping pay for the thing that I thought I wanted, which needless to say, I now no longer think that I want because it's such a hassle actually trying to buy it. So that's a brilliant example of technology getting right in the way. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one. Absolutely. that I, I could probably come up with loads as well, but we, we, we won't. We won't because otherwise the whole, the whole show will be about that. But yeah, there's, I think that's, that's the big issue. And I think, you know, we've, we, well, not all of us, uh, maybe you don't, Julia, but a lot of us maybe get excited by new tools and we want to kind of add it onto the website and, uh, but we've got to think about the visitor at the end of the day. So yeah. uh, the technology is great, but it should always be used to enable a really, really good user experience. And I think it, it's simplicity is the key. So one of these, uh, 
one of the, the things that I'm a little bit afraid of with the likes of Gutenberg is that we can end, we're going to end up with all this power making websites even more complicated. And so that yeah. was my, my, my worry. But I am seeing a lot more websites simplifying, trying to simplify things. So we are, we're actually almost going a little bit away from the flashy stuff. We're, we're, we're starting to look at, well, what actually converts? I just think about the Google website or the Amazon website. The Amazon and Google websites are actually really very boring. They're not that visually yeah. appe appealing, yet they, they work, they convert. And there is no question that particularly Amazon, they, they spend a huge amount of money every year on usability and making yeah. sure that the experience is working really, really well for the the end user. We've got some uh, Beaver Builder fans in the room, which is great. Uh, so Lisa Monks loves Beaver Builder. And in fact, Mark Orr likes Beaver Builder too. Oh, that's good. So go. uh, Mark says, Gutenberg, uh, the new WordPress editor, I, um, I, I use Beaver Builder, so I haven't used it. Yeah, and that's the same with me. I've, I've actually, um, I think just, I prefer to use that because at the end of the day, it allows me to create a, a really nice experience for the end user. So I, I think Gutenberg is, is not going to be great for that, but that's my, my personal opinion. Well, judging from what I saw online when people were using it because they just upgraded to the newer version of WordPress, they thought that's what they should do and then ended up landing in an awful mess as far as I could make out. So, Yeah, well, I suppose it's anything new. People don't like new things, but... Uh, Anyway, so uh, yeah, um, Mark says LastPass is an interesting one. So LastPass yeah. saves my frustration, like Julius, from logging into websites, etc. Yeah. yeah, a lot of love for yeah. LastPass. It's a good, it's a good call, and for us who are in this space, it's great. But thinking about mm. your average consumer who's just trying to buy something on an e-commerce website, I know it's like it's a major gripe that you have to create an account and do this, that, and the other and jump through hoops before you can actually yeah. make your purchase. And then these companies wonder why, you know, they're seeing so many people bounce off from their websites before they make a purchase, Yeah, which is a tad crazy. Well, I, and I think the, this comes down to the dreaded developer, you know, and I'm a developer as well, but I've been on both sides here. And I think developers tend to think very much about the code and about the technology and they don't always think and i, I, I emphasize the word always they, they don't always sometimes they do but they don't always think about the end user and the experience yeah. and so they, sometimes it might be so complicated in their mind to to build a system that's easy for the user that they don't bother doing it and or they think it's impossible to do so uh i think passwords are a case in point you know Yes, those of us who are in the know will use a password manager like LastPass. Uh, and there is this kind of issue that you want to make things as secure as possible. So you want the end user to use a complicated password with, I don't know, uh, 12 characters and, and uh, no memorable names and some special characters, but not this one and not that one. And, and you know, it ends up yeah. going a little bit mad. So I think we... we I hope that we are starting to see some new technology that's going to start to make passwords a thing of the past. Oh, and yes. I have seen a number of places do this. For example, my bank. And it's using a piece of technology that might, uh, you might think, oh my goodness, that doesn't sound very good, but it's using QR codes. I don't know if you've seen right. this, but basically what you do, you, you, the, the, 
the bank in this case gives you a login screen with a QR code. And then you, you, you go into your app and you take, uh, you scan the QR code and then magically it logs you in on the website because what, what happens is you, you use your thumbprint if you've got a fingerprint scanner right. on your phone and it knows that it's you on the on the phone right. and then takes a, an Im, a scan of the QR code and the two connect to each other. And nice. so I, that would be amazing if we had all websites that did that. All you need yeah. to do is just scan it with your phone. Um, so I think that kind of technology is something to look out for. Wow, um, definitely. There are a number of different pieces of technology or, uh, that do this. One of them is called Squirrel, uh, and it's uh, something that you know, to look out for. But it's not quite there yet. Um, but things like that will really, really help if you've got a facility where people have to log in. Wow, that could revolutionise it. Oh, I can't wait till my bank gets that. I mean, yes. just sitting there trying to think of my, well, <laughs> my yeah. things out and plugging them in. Uh, banks, wow. banks do tend to be the last people yeah. uh, that that do these things. I mean, we, I've I've got a couple of different banks, you know, for for different businesses, and one of them yeah. is prehistoric. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I mean, we could talk about the hoops you have to jump through there. But the, one of the smaller banks, some of these new hip and trendy bank banks that are coming out, are, are, have got the. Um, I suppose they've they've got a young, small team, an agile team that can put into action some of these new technologies. So um, we'll see. See how. And I guess when goes. that starts rolling out to more mainstream places like banks and maybe some of the larger stores, then people are going to start expecting to see mm. that sort of ease on yeah. a lot more websites that they encounter. So that will have an impact on us. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of what you've seen, we've talked a little bit about technology. Let's kind of maybe move on to some of the kind of less techy things. You know, what have you noticed, Julia, that is a new trend that's working well? I mean, have you seen anything or do you think things have kind of stayed the same? I've noticed like you have the move to make things more simple and easy to navigate. And I've seen a number of people, maybe some of the bigger names, have gone have reviewed their own websites and have basically had a purge and stripped out everything apart from the bare necessities cue the song <laughs> of life <laughs> like <laughs> in their menu and everything else because they don't want to give people too much choice because we know that when we have too much choice we get overwhelmed not necessarily want to have too many pages to manage either because yep. that's the other side isn't it make everything look quite visually appealing but of course getting rid of any old stock photos and stock videos and replacing it with their own and just making it a very easy thing to do mm. to scroll to get to the next piece or to just hit an image and that seamlessly takes you to where you want to go which is good news because I think for too long websites have been created very much with the business in mind and not with the person at the end of it all in mind so maybe it's tide is starting to turn eventually that's a really good point yeah and maybe this is a lesson we've learned from social media that it's not all about us you know when we're yeah interacting with people it's about the the person we're interacting with it's not about us and our business and websites should be the same so uh i've always heard you know when you write your about page it's not actually about you it's about what yeah. you can offer the person you know it's it's that's and that's that 
can sometimes be a little bit weird when, in your thinking, but it's so, so important. I've definitely seen this. Yeah, this simplification. And there was, I mean, for a long time, there was this this urge to create as many pages as, as possible. Yeah. You know, and keywords stuff them. I mean, okay, yeah. that's going back to maybe the early noughties, but thinking about SEO and creating loads and loads of stuff. But now I, I see simplification of websites uh they don't fewer web fewer pages and uh really focusing on high quality copy and thinking very very carefully about the structure of the pages and what's uh, the the uh i suppose it's the story the the process of how the visitor goes through that page i've also seen uh sometimes that Certainly, for this is maybe more for digital marketers that some of the some of the content is actually hidden away, and this is kind of weird because from an SEO perspective that makes no sense at all. Why mm. would you hide some of your content away from people? But this is all to do with getting people onto their list and taking control of the journey that they take through things. So. For example, Amy Porterfield, it's very, very difficult on her website to actually find out about her courses and the stuff that she sells. I mean, if you just want to go to Amy Porterfield's website and buy her course, it's actually quite tricky to do so. You have to go onto her list and spend some time for getting to know her. And then don't worry, she will sell you her stuff, I promise you, but you can't do it straight away. So I'm I'm seeing, sometimes I'm seeing a little bit of that. That's kind of the more subtle approach as well. So um, I wonder if that works because maybe her social media content is all geared at just raising that initial awareness. So then she wants people to jump from there and build the relationship in the yeah. way that you've just described, as opposed to a lot of us using social media would hope to build some of the relationship beforehand so that people, some people might then be actually at the stage where they're ready to buy when they come across to our website. Yeah. But maybe she's done some analysis and found that that's not actually the case yeah, for well, her people. I think not all of us are Amy Porterfield. I know that's like the oh, uh, yes. understatements of the century. But, you know, with, with <laughs> you know, for, for Amy Porterfield has got a huge audience, you know, and if you sent her a tweet, the likelihood of you getting a personalized response on a regular basis is probably not that great because yeah. she just, she physically can't do that. And so the only way really she can, uh, you know, yes, she can, she can maybe get a team to do that. But for her as a, as a one person, as a, as a, as a public figure it's, it's going to be very difficult for her to do that on her own so actually getting mm. her audience onto listening to her podcast which is probably her biggest uh, lead generation yeah. tool onto her onto her email and that way is is the way that she's going to do that is that the best way for all of us no not necessarily and actually yeah. if you're a smaller business then actually doing what we've been recommending which is in using social media for those one-to-one uh uh communications you know those those relationships building those relationships over time is definitely what i'd recommend to do but obviously as you grow and you you scale things up there will probably come a point when you will struggle to do that on your own you're gonna have to change things and i think that's what amy porterfield's had to do and that's really interesting isn't it and therein lies a big lesson just because some people are doing this that and the other on their website does not mean that it's going to work for you and your business. If she's doing that, it's because she's looked at the data, she's analyzed it, she's probably got advice 
from some web and optimization people and they've suggested laying it out and having that particular model but if you just jumped in mm. had a look at it and decided oh amy's doing that so that must work for business like sort of across yeah. the board and then put it into place on yours you might very well be sorely disappointed but i think we see too much of that happening don't we whether it's us a small business owner saying oh we're going to copy that or um web developers as well who are maybe clutching at straws is the wrong word but maybe sort of highly influenced by seeing things that are going on out there and not necessarily thinking about what's going to work for their particular clients sadly i've seen some of the oh, yeah. the fallout from that so yeah, yeah due diligence and just being careful isn't it? it i mean it's great to get inspiration there's a difference between being inspired Absolutely. and you know but if you blatantly copy that i mean that is just not on and it also shows that you're just you are being lazy and i think as human beings yeah probably most of us do have a lazy streak in us but what you've got to do is get inspiration but then switch your brain on and think well is this going to work for me yeah and so I, I think that's absolutely vital um like flipping pop-ups whoever it was that decided a pop-up was first a good idea and then the whole of the world mm. followed suit and we are still inundated yeah. with flipping pop-ups i tell you what when i'm go when i find a good blog or i see a blog on twitter like talked about and i kind of think oh i'll go and find out what that is because if it's any good i'll share it onto my audience if it's got a pop-up on it or if it's got something where you don't have to log in and create an account to read it i don't share it because i don't want to give my audience that bad experience that's really interesting i see i wouldn't do, i wouldn't go that far but it's it but it, i think that's really interesting that you you uh, would not share that and I, I think i'd know a few other people that would be in a similar boat and this comes down to well, again analyzing the data because de depending on your business you may find that pop-ups uh, these opt-in windows that will take over your whole screen work they may boost the number of signups to your email like by a ridiculous percentage they may re really well do that but are you getting the right audience and are they actually converting to buying your stuff uh, and the thing that's really difficult to tell in the figures is how many people are you actually putting off exactly who, you know who you may actually be putting off people your your t your actual perfect customers so i think I, i'm not i'm not saying do not use pop-ups. I mean, I do use pop-ups occasionally on my website. I try and do them in a sensitive way, but yeah, yeah, it's a controversial topic. We could we could spend a whole session on this, really. And the it, ones that the ones that pop up when you're maybe going to leave the page or when you've been on the page for a certain amount of time, I get because mm. to me that's a smarter use of that kind of technology. Yeah. But the ones that just come up straight away is just like. No, oh, you. I see what you mean. Yeah, when they come straight away. And yeah. and sometimes, you know, this is again where technology can can get in the way because I I I use a, a Optin Monster, which is a this is a pop-up tool. And on the whole, it works really, really well. But you, this is where why you've got to test, test, and test and test. Because it worked really, really well across all my testing on the desktop and most of it on mobile. But there was one page where it basically blocked everything on the page you couldn't and you couldn't even get away from it <sighs> thankfully uh, somebody i mean they were they were rather annoyed but they sent me a message telling me about this then they got really frustrated with it. and, I, and I, I emailed them back and said thank you so much for telling me i wasn't aware of this i've removed it straight away but it just shows that you've got to do lots and lots of testing because uh, you're yeah. just saying i mean that that person 
went to the trouble of telling me, but I mean, how many people yes. before that didn't? Yeah, exactly. And that's the problem. And that's the bit mm. that you can't measure, isn't it? Indeed. Well, I've got a few more comments. So uh, Mark Orpham uh, is talking about from before we were talking about passwords. The trade-off uh, between usability and security is always going to be hard, like two-factor authentication that I yeah. already have set up on loads of my accounts. Yeah, and you're like me, Mark. I mean, I, I used two-step authentication, which are these recurring, revolving numbers. But I mean, how many people use those? Th use those? Yeah. Most people don't. Uh, so I, I think we're going to have to get to a point of using a piece of technology that is really, really secure uh, using a device like this. I mean, in a sense, this is the, the second factor uh, so that, you know, people, people guess your password. All is not lost because they don't have access to your, your phone. So that's something to think yeah. about. Mark also poses this um this point, which is interesting, which is what about the recent Google slap for sl slow loading yes. websites? I don't know if you saw that. Yes. Yeah, so Google is, I mean, they've been doing this for a while, but they're, they're kind of put, putting more, they're slapping a little bit more. So uh, they've done things like um, giving you a bit of a slap if you don't have a secure website. So that's the HTTPS yeah. thing. So that's one thing. Make sure that your website is secure. And they're doing this basically because they just think it is best practice. They, they you know, it's, it's best, it's now free. You should not have to pay for an SSL certificate. So it's it's free unless you are taking credit card information, you are a bank and need one of those really mega expensive uh, green bar things. Uh, so that's one thing. But also they're, they're slapping you if your website is really slow. And so you've got to take into account your images. Don't just bung loads of images on the website and videos. I think we're starting to see a lot more people trying to optimize uh, the speed of the website. And two tools I've mentioned before that really help with this, which we use on all our clients' websites. First of all, there's Imageify which is, this is for WordPress. It basically takes all your images and optimizes them. It, it makes them a lot, uh, the, the file size a lot smaller. Uh, the, and the, the other thing just to bear in mind with that, make sure you're using JPEGs for photos and PNGs for other types of images like logos. Don't use PNGs for for, for photos because you're, you're going to be using loads and loads of waste you're wasting loads of uh, memory Ooh. there so do bear okay, that in mind. Good tip. Uh, unless it's a tra transparent background yeah. and you do need to use again you need to use a png for that so that's one thing and then wp rocket is a really really good tool to just generally speed your website up and to, it will do loads of cool geeky things which i won't go into now so those two, <laughs> those two things uh so yeah do that and i mean it isn't a massive slap, but Google is definitely looking at uh, trying to encourage us all to speed up our websites. Lisa Monks is with you. She says, I, I really don't like pop-ups that appear as soon as you land on the page. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, Lisa. This, this, I've seen this a lot. It, it tends to be, it's like a curtain. So you get to, you get to yeah. the page and then the whole thing goes. <laughs> and then, and then of course, it says, do you want this latest PDF on WYSIWYGS? Yeah. And it's like, that's going to help you get loads more traffic. And, you, and you've got a choice of two buttons, which is, yes, please, or no, I don't want more traffic. And that really yes, annoys I've me. I've already got enough. Or, I've already yes. got enough, yes. Yes. 
<laughs> or something either some of them are even more condescending aren't they the phrases they put there and I just kind of think yeah well if that's your attitude then uh, do I actually want to read your page in the first place probably not it's an interesting one. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. I'm just going to say it's something for you to think about. You know your audience. Because, I mean, there's plenty of plenty of businesses, certainly in our area, Julia, aren't there, that use this technique. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, Mark says, if a service business website doesn't have live chat, then I tend to avoid it. So that's an interesting one, live chat. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you could argue, you know, so, for example like a website that doesn't have a phone number uh i mean i actually quite i i actually quite like to phone people up sometimes if there's a problem but yeah i i ordered uh something from a, a website recently and i had to use their live chat thankfully they got back to me really really quickly so uh it's an interesting one live chat yeah i'm the same actually i would much rather use the live chat than call people up so i i do lose use live chat a lot on websites good call but we can link it we can link it directly to facebook messenger now can't we on our, our website so if you haven't got a live chat tool you can use that yeah so yeah that you can i mean you can use many chat or something like that or, yeah or just yeah bung it on there yeah definitely uh and then just a couple more po comments just before we finish so lisa says i think you've uh, struck a chord on on this one i think with the the, the whole uh <laughs> pop-up thing so once uh oh, okay i probably better not mention that but it's about social media examiner because we're probably going to have some people from social media examiner watching but anyway <laughs> as soon as you land on their page uh, you get the industry report that takes up the entire screen on mobile oh that's an interesting one so yeah i, I mean i had this issue on my on my website because uh it some of these work okay on desktop but on a yeah. mobile you, then you, you can't actually get it away. It's it's, yes. it's very, very difficult to move it away. So that's, again, down to testing as well. That's so. true. And actually trying it out from the user perspective on a few different devices or asking mm. people who've got maybe a different device to have a look mm. for you. Yeah, I think that's very true, actually, because for Social Media Examiner, I tend to read their blogs on a desktop because they're so flipping long and detailed. So for me, the user experience there is okay. But, yeah, it's interesting how different it must be on a mobile. Indeed. Yeah. So loads of things to think about there. Uh, yes. we've, we've talked about uh, we've talked about voice uh, voice uh, search, and we've talked about pop ups. We've talked about <laughs> Gutenberg as well, and all these other things. In fact, we need to have one of these for pop ups. Sorry, I just couldn't resist we doing do. that. We do, indeed. Uh, so, and we talked about simplification as well. Marie condoing our websites. That's good. I like that. Thought you might. There we go. I need to I need to work up another bit of audio for next week. <laughs> Something about sparking joy. Does it spark yes. joy? Yes. <laughs> and to me, no, my website does exactly the opposite. So I need to go and sort myself out. <laughs> yeah, but do, do, do websites spark joy at all with you? Some do. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, that's that's a start, isn't it? There we go. Ones, so that, ones that give me recipes for vegan chocolate cakes. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe that's what you need to do on the front of your pay, uh, your website. It needs to. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I really enjoyed my 100% um, dark hot chocolate yesterday. It was oh good. yes, that sounded that sounded it really yummy. Although it was with dairy milk, dairy, yeah. uh, but I I need to experiment with this because I'm I'm trying to cut down that and uh 
almond milk was a bit too bitter. So there's right. coco maybe coconut milk. I don't know. Yeah, coconut would probably be good, wouldn't it? Because you mm. get that natural. Yeah. Nice. Indeed. Well, oh dear, apparently my sound effects are not coming through. Can no one hear that? Oh, That'd be really that's annoying. such a shame. Oh dear. Well, it well could... if you couldn't hear it, you know when you do the Instagram Zoom mini thing, it was similar to the sound effect that you get on Instagram stories, Zoom mini thing for dramatic, I think it is, isn't it? It was, it was similar dun, to that. Dun, dun. Oh, yeah. it's really annoying. Okay, well, I've got to do a bit of a uh, bit of testing with that and see. <laughs> So thank you for letting me know, Mark, that that didn't work. <laughs> I think it's coming through on uh, the podcast recording. So let's just check. Yeah, the sheep's coming through there. So I, I can see it on there, but you can't hear it. Never mind. Anyway, we will leave it there. Next week, we'll be back at the usual time at yes. two o'clock, I think, unless anything weird is happening that we don't know. I don't think that is happening. So, I haven't heard of anything. No. So fingers crossed. I'll be there. So thank you so much for, for watching or listening. It's been great to have you here. What are you up to over the next week, Julia? Are you up to anything exciting? I have got lots of client calls and client work to be getting on with. I'm helping, I've got two clients that are both working on big launches and one's actually for an awards ceremony. So that's going to be really good to get my teeth into. So I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Uh, that's cool. I, I don't know. It's, it's Monday. I need to start thinking about what the week's <laughs> doing. I, it's yeah. I've just got. I'm focusing on writing content, so I'm in the middle of a really big blog post. So tomorrow mm. is all of that. Same on Thursday. I've got a couple of websites for clients that I'm working on, and loads of other things. So yeah, it's a, should be a good week. Nice. So uh, yeah. So anyway, there we go. Uh, Robert Stern is here. I'm sorry, uh, you've just missed most of the show, but you can watch the replay. Uh, but thank you so much for watching, everyone. And we'll thank see you. Thank you. See you soon. Next Bye. week. Bye. That was the Free Range Social Show with Ian Anderson Gray and Julia Brown. See you next week. Better attend to those cows.